Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Raised in a Jewish family in New Zealand, a university radical. I've heard some of those strange stories of what Marcus got up to as a young man at uni uh, and all those kind of things. Over the years, we've heard lots of stories of God's blessing and provision in Marcus's life. And he's going to share that with us again tonight. And uh, again, if you missed this morning, go and grab a hold of it. It was certainly inspiring. Someone there online saying what a, an inspiring message it was and answered some questions I've been pondering. So that's great. How about we put our hands together and just welcome Reverend Marcus Ardern. Here comes our chairs. Here you are, Marcus. You can have that one there on the left. I'll have this one on the right. There you go. Thank you. My pleasure. Marcus, thanks again for coming. Thank you for making the big trek across the the, uh, New Zealand waters to get to us here. Thank you. This is a special trip. Marcus is not on the way somewhere else. We brought him here uh, because we felt that Marcus was going to have something to share with us as a church. Lots of you would know this year, uh, after several years of not being able to have visiting ministry, we really set out this year to uh, invite particular people in. They were all people that we've done life with as a church for a long period of time. And Marcus, you've certainly uh, done that with us over many, many years. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, Marcus, I'm going to jump right in here because the Bible three times by my count says the just shall live by faith. Yes. And when it says shall live by faith, it doesn't mean preach a message about faith or have an idea about faith. It talks about living. And that always means in the Bible your daily life. When Jesus said, I've come to give you life, he wasn't talking about, uh, you know, some kind of narrow space of spiritual uh, moments in a church service. He's talking about the all of our life uh, space. And so when I hear that, I think faith is such a wonderful journey and it's so much more than a doctrine. You touched on that this yes, morning. Yes. Do you want to just talk to that for a minute before we then start talking about, you know, how do you, how do you move from having a, a doctrine? How do I grow in faith is what my, my whole thought of tonight is. Um, you want to just jump into that? Well, several times in the book of Proverbs, it says, lend me your ear or incline your ear or listen carefully. And when the Apostle Paul was writing, he said, faith comes by hearing. And so we normally hear God out of Scripture or out of remembered Scripture or something that he writes in our heart. One of the promises he gave to ancient Israel and to all his people, he said, upon their hearts, I will write. And so uh, God is speaking, but we respond by trusting him and relying on his testimony and agreeing with it. And the best news, which I mentioned this morning, Ephesians 2 says, By grace, undeserved favour are you saved by faith, and that is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So any person can ask God to confirm his testimony or confirm that it really is his voice because God is speaking but only a few people are listening including church folk 
uh, very often we're just going by rote or poems or thinking it's all metaphors, but it isn't. The real God is real and really speaks and really answers prayer. And you increase your hearing by keeping listening. Yeah. You know, the Apostle Paul talked uh, and prayed for the Ephesians. You mentioned the Ephesian church. And he prayed that they would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's right. So I always think that, you know, it's not just a vertical of me and God alone, but in an environment like this, like I absolutely believe tonight, without any shadow of a doubt, call a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy, I feel like God is going to really drop a seed of faith Amen. into some people here that have got particular challenges and particular things they're facing going, I want to believe, but I don't really know yes. what to do next. And I feel like that supernatural seed of faith that you just mentioned is actually going to happen for some people here tonight. This will be a turning point. I agree. The Bible talks about two main forms of faith. There's saving faith, where you believe the gospel, you believe the message of the cross, that Jesus died to save you. But there's also the gift of faith, which is when God gives you a supernatural ability to believe for the salvation of a country or a person or to receive something. And that's imparted by the Holy Spirit. And when you have the gift of faith, you know it's yours. You don't have to, if you have to wonder whether it's yours, you haven't got the gift of faith. When the gift of faith comes, you have a knowledge of what God has given. Along the way of that, and you know, I, I just love hearing anybody talk about faith, quite frankly, because yes, so I, I. I think it's something that every single one of us can grow in more. Yes. None of us can go, well, I know that now. Yes. It, it, it's an unending maturity and an unending increase in your life. And I think that's always so exciting that around the corner, you know, I was reading this morning in Habakkuk where he complains to God about everything that's wrong in the world and then begins to say, but God, I'm going to stand and see what you say. And so often in a world that is topsy-turvy, we don't stop long enough to go and say, but God, what are you looking at right now? Yes, that's what right. What do you see? Amen. And I know that in your life, because last time you were here, which would be a couple of years ago, I think, um, you shared with us the miraculous story of the house that you're provided with until the day you die. So you don't own it, but it's been given to you. Uh, and, you know, I, I want to show the pictures because sometimes when people think of God given a house, they think they've been given a granny flat or a you know, a shed that's been tricked out with a sink and a kitchenette or something or other. So uh, I thought that maybe everyone might like to see that. And uh, you want to just... Now, there's been a lot of work done. That's up there on the screen, Marcus, so... Yes, it's, it's better than that now. Yeah. Yes. Um, is that your car, by the way? If I come to visit you, <laughs> do I get to drive the Bentley convertible? No, that one's gone. <laughs> it what wasn't a, mine. What a shame. Uh, just go back to the first one again for a minute because... I know that uh, the person who gave it to you uh, and said this is what I want, you were telling me on the way in tonight that this person's spouse, his wife, is quite a person of the figures and you were wondering, well, I'll, you know, we hope that there's no pressure. And she said, we prayed about this for a year. That's right. You told us this morning the story of a group of people that wanted to take up a collection and you said to them, I don't think God wants me to beg. That's right. And I also know, because I've known you a long while, 
that you've often said to me over the years, God's going to give me a house. Mm. Now, please, don't, don't be offended at this, but you're not 21 anymore. That's right. Or 25 anymore, or even 30 anymore. 74. Well, 74. So most people, don't you get what I'm saying? Most people, when they're getting older in years, they start doing this. They start winding down. They start looking for the end of life. And here is you in your 70s telling me, I'm, God's going to give me a house. And I never, ever said anything other than, well, let's trust God for that. And I love the fact you were telling us this morning about how you would, was it drink a coffee? and No, no, that was, was during it? communion. As oh, I was okay. eating the bread, I would say, I'm eating my house, I'm receiving my house. And as I drank the cup, I I knew that it has another meaning, but I was receiving it by faith. Wow. Mm. Did you grow up with this kind of uh, understanding of faith or generosity? Was that in your upbringing as a child? My family's quite conservative, and because of family history and the past, uh, you hold on to what you have and you only give under certain circumstances. My Family loved feeding people and doing things like that. But in terms of giving, we were conservative. It's really as a Christian I've learned, you know, we used to sing a song, out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth and giveth and giveth and giveth and giveth again. And that went in deep into me. I know that God's a generous God who delights to bless and delights in the prosperity of his servant, the Bible says. Mm. He likes to see you doing well. So what for you does, you know, asking God for this house, you know, does it, did it wax and wane? Did you have moments of doubt? Did you wonder? or How did that work for you? Well, I believe the house was his idea, not mine. Right. And it's a tool for a task. Right. Uh, I've called it the house of peace, la maison tranquille, so that people can come that I choose and they can cry on my shoulder when their wives die or husbands die or sons die or, or daughters get pregnant or some horrible thing. Uh, lots of people, I'm talking about out of wedlock, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I get a lot of people through the house who come to unload and vent. And I want it to be like visiting your grandparents' house, which is cosy and inviting and tea and scones while they mm-hmm. cry. And... I have old men who visit already uh, and they have certain days that they know that they can come and that they can have time and there's a lot of young people come through as well. And I love it most. The house is not just for me. Mm. Uh, In John chapter 3 verse 27 it says, a man can receive nothing except to be given it from heaven. I couldn't have received that house except that it's in God's plan. Mm. And it's not just about me. It's a tool to minister to people. As I'm allowed to enjoy it, you know that I, for years, have ministered on bread for eating and seed for Mm -hmm. sowing. Bread for eating is what you enjoy for yourself, and God says delight yourself in abundance. But seed for sowing is stuff you're given to hand on. And in the house, uh, when I see people sleeping there or visiting there or going away with a gift or enjoying themselves, that's when the house is functioning. Wow. Uh, you just mentioned seed for sowing, bread for eating. 
the first time Rhonda and I met you was at the Jesus Centre you ran yes. across church. Yes. And so I want to take you back to the starting point because you didn't start with a house. You didn't start with you didn't start with a you know several million dollar mansion that someone just said here I no. want to bless you. That's right. Out of absolutely nowhere it seemed. Um, you didn't start there. I remember downstairs was where the training centre was, and it was full of young people learning evangelism because that was what you were training and teaching people in. That's right. And then we walked up the stairs. I still remember walking up this flight of stairs, turning around uh, like on the landing or whatever you'd call it, and there was a chest of drawers. And I'll never forget you said to me, the top drawer here, this is my seed for sowing drawer. And I'd never heard the scripture. I didn't know it. And I asked you, I said, what's that? And, and then you pulled open the drawer and it was full of things that, you said, these are the things that I've been given that I think I'm meant to give away. And I've never forgotten, that's a long, long time ago, but it profoundly yes. impacted the way I thought about the bigness of God to give to you some things that you're never meant to retain. They're yours for a while, and then you're meant to find whoever they've got to go to. Everything I own is divided into those two categories. Somebody who came to the house said, look, I don't admire it. I don't want to admire anything in your house because you give it to me. And I said, well, you don't understand how ruthless I am. If, if, it's, if it's bread for eating, you can't have it. You can whine and cry and beg and you still won't get it. But if they admire a standard lamp or something that I love but think it's only with me for a season, uh, they go home with it. And it's no skin off my nose because I gave them something they love. I just admired that uh, Bentley convertible, but apparently it's too late for that. So, Well, I've given away um, a Mercedes 220 SL. I've given away a um, Alfa Romeo. I've given many things of that wow. where I pray them in and then hand them on. Wow. But they're not mine. They were always seed for sowing. So they were not mine. What's the difference between um, being, if I can say this honestly, a soft touch? Because you just alluded to the fact that not everything that comes to you, do you just go, oh, well, I feel sorry for them no, or whatever? You've got to have a backbone of iron. and Because the Bible says thou shalt not covet. It also oh. says don't leave a temptation in front of your brother. So... Uh, if you're a soft touch, you're not doing them a favour and you actually stop them receiving from God because covetousness is idolatry. When you long for something that God doesn't want to give you and that you shouldn't have, it'll move you out of God's will if you get it. Mm. So you're better off not receiving something that was never God's will. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, God gives severally according to his own desire and purpose. Mm. And so you should only receive the things that God chooses. Or another scripture that's in the book of Psalms, it says, God chooses the inheritance for Jacob. So it's not that we can just demand things from God and say, I'd like that, so you better give it to me. And if I fast long enough and <laughs> convince myself enough that you therefore owe it to me because I've come up with faith like pennies in a bank account. Mm. It's not like that at all. Mm. It's God selects the inheritance for Jacob. Mm. So I want what he's selected for me. Mm. 
And as somebody said, when you leave the choice to God, his choice is better than yours for you. Mm. And, and that's what I believe. You only need what you should have. He gives appropriate gifts. There's another one where it says he gives them food at the appropriate time. You don't feed a child non-stop. You feed it when it's right and you let it digest. Mm. And the same with God's giving. It comes at his rate and by his choice. Wow. The house was not, although I longed for a house, the particular house I've got wouldn't have been my choice, but I'm glad that he chose it because he knows all the contingencies. He knows what he's doing in the life and heart of the giver. He knows what he's doing in my heart. The little faults that I find that need fixing, they all build us. God's inheritance builds you and nurtures you. They, uh, I think that's part of the key, isn't it, though, is not needing it or grasping it. No, but it's, it's having a spirit of freedom in your life so that you go... Lord, you can have anything I have. Yes. I'll give anything you want if, if I know it's you. Um, I always think it's better to make a mistake on the side of, of um, generosity than the other way around. Well, you've got a scripture for that in uh, Acts 20 where it says that Jesus said it's better to give, more blessed to give mm. than to receive. Mm. Just recently... and. Maybe this is funny, but just shows that none of us arrive. It was only a few weeks ago I drove away from the church building and I'd seen somebody who, they walked past me, I thought they looked like they had need. But I just drove off because I had to get to wherever I was going next. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I got down the road probably about halfway to where I was going and then I, I just felt like I should have spoken to that person. And then I'm in my head going, well, yeah, but they're probably not even there. And if I go back, and what would I say anyway? And, and you know how you argue your way through to that? Um, and you're all expecting at the end of this, I'm going to tell you an amazing story about how I went back there and they fell to their knees and said yes to Jesus. Mm -hmm. The truth is I drove all the way back thinking, what's the worst that can happen here is that I can take a bit of my time and that'll be it. I drove all the way back, and guess what? They weren't here. Mm. And, but if you ask me, did I mind, or was I upset, I go, no, because I always want to, if I'm going to make a mistake, let me make a mistake on the side of going, God, I'm willing, I'm yes. ready to try. Do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, they will not follow another. But you only learn the shepherd's voice by listening to it mm. until it's familiar. Mm -hmm. If I rang you on the phone, you would say, hi, Marcus, because mm -hmm. you know my voice mm -hmm. by heart. But if a stranger did, I wouldn't recognise mm -hmm. their voice. It's the same with listening to the Holy Spirit. And as he's teaching you to be sensitive, he lets you make mistakes so that you can have a good look at yourself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for example, I was on a train in Europe where I fell asleep and I had a dream. And... It was all about guidance and I woke up and the Lord said to me, I want you to speak to the guard on the train after the next stop. But I fell asleep again and, and the guard was gone. They'd changed guards. His shift was ended. And then I, while I was asleep, I had another dream. And in the dream there was a haystack and an angel said, take this flaming torch and set fire to the haystack. 
So I rushed over and did it. And he told me off. He rebuked me. He said, you didn't wait to say when. If you had done it in my timing, the wind would have been blowing in direction of nine more haystacks and you would have lit ten. But you lit one because you were impetuous. Now, when I woke up, that dream, the word of God abides. All these years later, 25, 27 years, I remember it. It didn't matter that I missed the point because he was teaching me to listen. Mm. And it's all right to be totally wrong. Some of the times when I felt like I was really hearing from God turned out to be rubbish, just my imagination. (laughs) But other times... As long as it's not going to hurt somebody, I'll go out on a limb and try in case it's God because no harm will come from it. What I wouldn't do by faith, I wouldn't say so-and-so should marry so-and-so or I must buy this or that or go there. I would never direct people or myself even. I just think it's funny that after all these years of, of hearing God, obviously in very clear and direct ways, all of us still have to live by faith. Yes. That's what I learned out of my little detour back from, you know, to find the person not even there. I go, well, you know, that's what living by faith is. Living by faith is not always being 100% certain and knowing absolutely. Sometimes it's stepping out, like Peter did. He stepped out of the boat and it says, and when he saw the wind boisterous, he began to sink. And not everything that God leads you in always turns out beautiful first time every time. Sometimes there's a growth in it. I'm glad for that, yeah. One of the things in the early days of the Jesus Revolution in the late 60s, 70s, was we were watching God at work and our faith, first of all, and nobody taught us this except the Holy Spirit, was that people could be saved, that they could invite the Lord Jesus in and their whole lives would be revolutionised And we were as excited about that as I would be about the provision of the house. Uh, One of the dangers in charismatic and Pentecostal churches is to talk about faith as if it only has to do with remarkable events, when in fact it's about the whole gospel, it's about the foundational stuff of what is a Christian, how do you become a Christian, how do you spend your life in fellowship with God. That's just as faith, as much faith, as believing for something special. But there are other times, too, when God says no to something you think you've got faith for. So, for example, I love sailing, and so I said to the Lord, one day I'd love to have a yacht. Well, a person came along and said they had a beautiful yacht. I sailed on the yacht, and it was an old Danish lugger, and it was over. It, the steel hull was overlaid with little boards and so on, and it was $800,000 yacht. And he said, look, I'd like to give it to you because it's a stone in my marriage bed. My wife gets jealous of the yacht, and so I want to give it to you, and uh, you can have it. And I said, well, look, I teach, according to Second Corinthians 8 and 9, God doesn't want anyone to give under compulsion, but only as they purpose in their heart. So if you want to give it to me on impulse, I won't take it. So I'll give you a year for cool-down period. And if after a year you want to give it to me, I will take it, but I want all the paperwork and all the legal dots I started T's crossed. During the year, I found out how much it would cost me to <laughs> maintain it and moor it and pay the staff 
and I realized what I was being offered was a change of career and it would be an anchor that limited all my liberty. And he came back to me and said, look, I'm not, I've changed my mind about the yacht. So there was something I desired that wasn't God's choice for me and I was saved by a principle in Scripture, not by direct guidance. You know, it's not God does not non-stop advise me because he has already spoken out of his Scripture. Mm. And I go by that, you know, run it by the Scripture. Is it in line with Scripture? Is it in line with God's character? Because there's some things we want just to impress other people, and, uh, and me too, I'd, I'd like to have everything that would impress everybody. But that isn't God's choice. It's him that's impressive, not us. We could talk about this for ages and yes, ages. Yes, we could. And, and, and love every bit of it. But I, I don't want to leave people with the impression that somehow or other God's random or unknowable no. because the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that we may freely know. He's made known his will unto yeah, us. The things that he's given to us. But... For a lot of us, it's a matter of, well, how do I start? You know, not as a person who's preaching it, but just as a believer, how do you begin a life of faith? What, what would you say to someone who goes, I'm here, I'm a relatively new Christian, or I'm new to living by faith? How do I start? What should I do? Well, I've just been doing this with somebody who's new to the faith, this very thing. And my advice to him has been, read Paul's letters because they're written to explain to Christians who they are and what they have and keep asking the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you because there are many things that are potentially yours and even legally yours but until you get the revelation of it you can't have them. So Deuteronomy 29 verse 29 says the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So it's very important to see the things revealed. Mm. And that means that you get knowledge of it on the inside where God promises you something that would outwardly be impossible if it wasn't him that was offering. And you see it. Mm. And when you often God says to me, be specific, be clear about your goals. Sometimes he says the reason why this thing is in abeyance is because you're not clear on what you've asked me, get more specific. So I ask him for it to clarify and his same Holy Spirit helps me have a clearer goal and then I ask for it. And I mentioned this morning, 1 Corinthians 2.12, the Holy Spirit himself shows us what we've got. So while you're looking through the promises of God, even a pocket promise book or one of these Christian things of promises of God, the only danger with them is that God has a timing of when he gives you things and there's sometimes a condition mm. and often those promise books leave the condition out and that's not, for example, the Bible says there's no want to them that fear him. If you've got no real reverence to God, uh, then the promise doesn't apply. Yeah, well. uh, or the Bible says give to the poor and then God shall supply your need. But if you're not giving to the poor, it doesn't apply to you. Mm. So there are many scriptures like that where God offers something wonderful. Mm. But if you read it carefully, although it's a free gift, it would be like when somebody gave me the Mercedes. I didn't pay for the Mercedes. 
It was somebody had received it as an inheritance. They passed it on to me and said, this is for you. It sat in my drive until I found the person it was to be sown to. And they love the thing. For them, it's just a free gift from God. But there was that gap period where you say, Lord, what on earth are you doing here and how does it fit and how does it work? And you don't know. It just sat there until the time came. But when the right person came, there was such a clear witness. Uh, I'll give one more example. I was taking a meeting somewhere and the Lord spoke to me very, very plainly. He said, concerning a man that was in the meeting, he said, I want you to give him... $325. So that was an odd figure to give him. So I gave him the $325 and he said he had taken in a street person who had stolen $325 and now God was giving it back. Because it wasn't about the money, it's about the assurance that God sees us Mm. Mm. and that he knows our particular case. Mm. In the Bible there's a story of Hagar that gets a wonderful provision from God, and her response is, God sees me. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that God sees you. Mm. You know, Many people don't understand your case. They don't know what you need. Mm. But Jesus said, your Father knows what things you need before you ask. Wow. And God's provision is like that. It's, he knows you. He knows you intimately, mm. sees you at home, knows what you long for, and he's able to give it to you. When I was in Japan, I was in a a department store and there was a little carved wooden bird, and the Lord said, I want you to buy that for the lady you're about to visit. So I gave it to her. I was willing to be wrong. It might have been nonsense. I have a vivid imagination and it's often wrong. But she said, I've often seen it in the department store and wished I had it, and the Lord has now given it to me. See, that's typical of God. Now, if somebody gave me the bird, I wouldn't be blessed. <laughs> but it wasn't for me. Yeah, right. He, uh, he, he, Ecclesiastes 3 says he's made everything apt in its time, or beautiful in its time, or perfect in its time. When God gives you, it hits the button. The rabbis say that when Eve was brought to Adam and he made an exclamation, it was basically along the lines of, this is it. This hits the spot. This is what I needed. Mm. And isn't that wonderful? And the gifts of God are like that. They they minister to your heart and you just go... When it says the Lord gives you the desires of your heart, you look at what he's given you and realise what I asked for is not what I needed. What I've got is... And I love him for it because it fits so perfectly. I I think across this... uh... (coughs) congregation tonight and the people that will be a part of this online, Marcus, there'd be lots of needs that people are facing that they might pray for, but without any sense of real confidence, (coughs) this is going to happen, this is going to there. Paul said to Timothy, he said, I see the same faith in you that was in your mother and in your grandmother. Mm. So I know that faith is transferable. It is. Yeah, if Paul writes in Ephesians and says, I'm praying for you to get this, I know that we can all ask God and say, God, would you increase this? It's not just a slow, hard road of personal growth and development of some kind, but God can supernaturally give it. That's that's why it's one of the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of faith. 
So I wonder if you would pray for everybody here because, again, I know people here that would be facing things in their home or their health or in their business life or some other thing. And what you've said tonight sparks in me the, or in us the thing of going, God, I need faith for that. I want to see the answer yes, for that. Yes. And I can either just keep on going, God, I wish, God, I hope. But if God will bring faith to us, then our prayers will be very different. We'll be saying, God, I know you're going to do this. One of the things the Bible says is imitate those whose faith works. Mm. And I would say read as much as you can about the faith heroes or the missionaries that receive from God. It'll build your faith as well as God increasing your faith direct into your spirit. But do that and then ask. Uh, just one last illustration before I pray, if I may. There was a family I knew that had three boys, all on drugs, all of them psychologically damaged, all of them in difficulty. And none of them would talk to me when I would have dinner with the parents. All three boys are off drugs. All three boys are living straight, clean lives now. The seemingly impossible can happen. Now, the parents just kept pleading with God, knowing that nothing was too hard for God. When I'm not sure what God will do... What I do instead, I say it's not impossible for God. Mm. I don't know what God's going to do in that situation, but concerning those boys, when I would pray for them, that's how I'd pray. I'd just say, Lord, I don't know the will of God for them, but I do know you don't want them bound up on drugs, and I know it's not too hard for you, I know it's not impossible. Because that way your faith doesn't shrink, that way you keep... We're dealing with a God who... It's not the size of your faith, it's the size of your God. Mm. And he's the one that does it. That's great. So shall I pray? Please. Heavenly Father, you know every person who's listening and you want them all to be witnesses for you of what you will do in their lives. So I pray that they will have not a doctrine of faith but a spirit of faith, not just an understanding of ten clever points on faith, but instead imparted faith, according to Romans 15, where you said that you will anoint us with faith and hope so that we're overflowing with faith. Father, I pray for overflowing faith given from heaven, imparted in their spirit. Lord, I pray each person will ask you and receive it and receive faith that you are willing to offer them because you're able to give them more faith than they have. You're able to expand their faith. You're able to increase their faith. You're able to multiply their faith. You're able to give them victory after victory. You said, what is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. And so, Father, give them the faith and justify the faith. You said wisdom is vindicated by her children. I pray there'll be so much fruit from their faith that they will have many testimonies to tell others and to thank you for in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Thank you so much, Marcus. Let's just appreciate Marcus and just thank God for it. Thank you, Marcus. Pleasure, brother. God bless you. Wonderful. In a moment, you'll have an opportunity to put that into practice when we do one of my favourite things that uh, Faith, Hope and Love, which is where we write our, uh, the names of people that we're praying for and believing for and put them on those cards and then put them over here in the, in the jars. Uh, and so we have an opportunity to do that. Just before we do that, 
Because I know there's always somebody who is wanting Jesus in their life. You know, this morning, uh, Sebastiana came up to me after the service, said, here, look at this. Someone had already sent in a yes text and saying, I, I've asked Jesus into my life. And I do not know of a greater thing that you can do with your life than to give it to Jesus. I don't know of a greater thing that you can do as a Christian, but then to share your faith with somebody. And so if you're a part of this service, either here in front of me, or you're online, or online later, you say, I need Jesus in my life. I would encourage you to open up your heart and allow him to come in. I really would. I would tell you it'll be the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life, that he'll transform you, that the plans he's got for you are far greater than anything you ever could have imagined or dreamt up for yourself. The peace that he'll bring, the forgiveness that he'll bring, the wholeness that he'll bring into your life, the joy that he'll bring will be incomparable. You'll really say, like so many of us have, I wish I had found Jesus earlier. I wish I'd said yes to Christ earlier. If you want to say yes to Jesus, let me just tell you what to do. Text yes, Y-E-S, just that one word, those three letters to the number. It's up there on the screen for you, 0488. 826392. If you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get our encouragement via email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. We will send you the day after you do it. The person who texted that through this morning, tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. our time, uh, Sebastiana Rashida will send out that uh, the Bible verse and the prayer and it'll go out every day for 30 days to that person. We got one this week from someone saying, uh, pardon my broken English, but every day I feel like God is speaking to me through this. So I really pray that you will say yes to Jesus. Become a part of the family of God. Father, we pray for every single person that right now is saying yes to you. Some of them, Lord, it's a different time zone, a different country, a different part of the world. And somehow or other, Lord, they've found this broadcast and they've said in their heart, I want Jesus in my life. Lord, I pray for those people. They may be the first one in their family. No one before them has ever said yes to Jesus. They didn't grow up with Jesus, but they want you. They just know they need you. So Lord, I thank you for them, each one. Pray God for your blessing over their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for doing that. The team are going to come and lead us in a song. And I'd love it if you would like to come and do that where you write out your prayer needs. Um, at the end of that, we'll share communion together. It's a covenant meal and be our joy to do that. Let's stand together though for a moment. And if you would like to do that, just come quickly. There's plenty of pens, plenty of uh, paper there. You can write that down. The team are going to lead us in worship while we make our, our, our faith steps towards God in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Stephen.
pray for Marcus together and just believe God for the ministry that God's put in front of him. Father, we thank you for Marcus and for the gift that he's been to the body of Christ for decades and decades and decades. Father, we thank you for the faithfulness that you've put in him to serve you and to love you and to continue to grow in you. I pray, God, for all the places that you want to take him that he hasn't been to yet. Marcus, again, I feel like South America and I I don't know if you've ever been there. You've never told me about it, but I feel like, I feel like God is going to open up more and more places for you. There's churches you haven't been to yet. And there's countries you haven't been to yet. God wants to take you to even more than you've been to before. There's people that are so hungry. You know, when, I, when I'm on the, on the Zoom with the people from Albania and they are weeping, they're so grateful and I think, you know, the things we just take almost for granted, they are, is water and oasis for them. And I believe God's going to take you to some incredibly hungry places spiritually. Father, we bless Marcus. We thank you for him in Jesus' name. We pray, God, you'll keep him body, soul, and spirit in the name of Jesus. Father, for every one of these prayer needs that we've written down before you, God, it's a piece of paper and we put it in there. But Lord, it's not forgotten by you. Our faith is invested in that. We're believing for every answer, every miracle in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Thank you. One of the things we always do as a church, lots of you will be used to this. I've only ever once did it. Uh, where I, I, I didn't receive a love offering. I thought the church had been so generous to so many people. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't do it. I'll never forget. And the person's here tonight. Uh, they came up to me. This is years and years ago. They came up to me and they said, you robbed me tonight. And I went, what? And they said, I was ready to give and you didn't give me opportunity. And that was the last time and the only time I've ever not given people an opportunity to be a blessing. Um, I'm not embarrassed to speak about giving. It's our joy to do that. I know that everything you give towards Reverend Marcus Ardern, we give them the whole lot, every single part. Matter of fact, every single one that we have, I'll say to them, if you haven't got it in the next week, I want you to ring me. We make sure that it gets there, every single part. And so Marcus, it's our joy to invest in all these places that you're gonna go to. Uh, you can do that on the app. You can do it on the website. You can go to the Connect Hub tonight. Teaser will be back there and we'll be able to help you with that. Uh, it'll be just our joy to be a blessing. I know Rhonda and I will do that again. Let me pray. Father, as we sow and invest into a ministry, Lord, that you've raised up, a ministry, Lord, you've obviously provided wonderfully, but that was provided by someone. So Lord, maybe what we give tonight will be your provision for Marcus to go to these places. I pray, God, that it will be a glorifying thing to your name in every way, in every space. Lord, as he goes to some of those places and people say, how did you get here? And he says, the Lord sent me. They'll be touched by the gift that let him go. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, give us, Lord. Amen. One more thing we want to do, and I'm not trying to rush this, but I am conscious of time. I got so caught up talking to you, we just went longer than I'm supposed to. But that's right. We want to share communion because it's a covenant meal. I was saying to the team while uh, we receive that in the green room area before we come out here, and 
where we go through the run sheet. Thank you, Teaser. Thank you, Sadeep. Thank you, Kwabana. So just take the cup and the bread when everyone's been served, we'll eat and drink together as the family of God that we are. But I was saying to the team that there's a Greek word for this, it's called diatheke. It's a diatheke covenant. And what it means is it's an unequal one. It means that what you put in is very, very small compared to what the other person puts in. And I know that Marcus understands this better than most of us when you look at that house that's worth several million dollars. And Marcus goes, what did I put in? I bought my furniture, I bought my cookbooks, and this person put all that other in. What a beautiful picture that is of the diatheke covenant of God, that you and I, we bring our faith, as small as it may be. Jesus talked about faith the size of a mustard seed. We bring that and God said, look what I have in store for you. Look how big it is. So we're gonna take this together and remember the goodness and the blessing of God for our life. If you're at home online with us, you've got your, your bread, you've got your juice, whatever it is that you're using to represent this body and this blood of Christ, then I want you to stand with us if you're at home. Stand with us here in the building, would you? Father, we thank You for every provision You've made for our life, how huge it is. Lord, we don't ever want to miss out on the great things of God because we thought too small, we dreamt too little. God, because we were just overwhelmed by the way we felt or by a circumstance. God, I pray You will raise up a mighty move of God over this nation in the Name of Jesus. Lord, we hold in our hands the bread that represents Your body broken for us for healing for our body, the cup which is Your blood, the forgiveness of all of our sins, cleansing and wholeness. We thank You for that. Lord, many of us here are going to eat and drink with that person in mind that we're praying for. Thank You for that in Jesus' Name. Come on, folks, let's eat and drink together.